Um, good morning. I'm Josh. Um, if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you at some point. Um, one of the pastors here at Oxford Vineyard. And if you're joining us online or listening later, welcome as well. Um, so it's really awesome to have the kids come up and share testimonies. Um, I was kind of just trying to figure out what I was going to talk about this morning. I had a few things throughout this week. I uh, wrote a few different messages or half messages and really felt like the Lord uh, was emphasizing uh, talking about legacy and lineage, especially with the kids sharing today and doing ministry later. And so I want to talk about like the power that each one of us carries to influence those around us, right? And those yet to come. It's a proven fact that our lives can be, can be building blocks or stumbling stones uh, for coming generations. Whether your life touches a few or many, you and I are each called to leave a spiritual inheritance for generations to come. This morning I'm going to talk about kingdom legacy, and there's many people in this room uh, who can give a much more uh, defined and, and experiential-driven uh, version of this message. I know that um, you know I'm not an expert in this area, necessarily. I'm seeing the value of it, and, and I want to grow in it more, and valuing kingdom legacy even more. So I'm talking about this, but before, before I go deeper, let's just pray real quick. So Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for, um, for your legacy, Jesus, and your lineage, God. We get to be part of your family. We get to be partakers. We get to carry your name. Thank you for that, God. I ask this morning that you would speak to us. If anything uh, in this message that uh, isn't of you would just fall to the ground and that, that you wish that would come forward, that you want to speak would uh, land in our hearts, God. Bring us deeper. Give us new revelation in this area, God. Our part in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I'm talking about lineage and legacy. So, so what, what, what does this mean? So legacy really deals with what you leave behind. Lineage, or lineage line, speaks to who you leave behind. So legacy is kind of the what, and lineage is the who, right? Le legacy exposes both public and private lifestyles and what type of reputa reputation you pass down, the things that you pass down. Your lineage line is, is composed of your descendants. So never doubt for a moment that your lineage line is, is directly affected by your legacy. It is defect. It's always affected by your legacy. Um, those that uh, around you are affected by you. And you're affected by those who are before you, right? One way or another, whether you know it or not, you've been affected by them. How you conduct your life will not only affect you, but, but even your friends, even those that you work with, those that you're in contact with. Um, and, and those, again, your children or your grandchildren, and, and it'll either be towards the kingdom and towards righteousness, or it'll be towards brokenness and bondage. It'll be one way or the other. So what, so what is legacy, and does it have significance? That's the question I want to talk about here. And just to answer that right away, every person on earth has a legacy, whether you're aware of it or not. The world's population has reached well over 7 billion people, and just as every human on this earth has unique fingerprints. None of our fingerprints are the same. None of our legacies are the same. Seven, over 7.6 7 billion people, none of our legacies are the same. Legacy can be like the, the footprints, like the footprints of life, kind of. Foot, you know, footprints reveal the way somebody walked. If, if you are somebody who knows how to follow footprints or see footprints on the ground, you can tell the way and the manner, the, the amount of weight on their foot, what, they were, what kind of shoes they were wearing, maybe, you know, like these kind of things. If you're an expert in that, you can tell those things. And, and this, our, our legacy is kind of the footprint on life that we left, and the way that we walked. How you live your life can and will have everlasting consequences upon your friends and the generations to come. Many times we see legacy, when we're thinking about legacy, as the accomplishments of a person, right? 
But it's not just the accomplishments, but we think of this like a legacy of finance or business, uh, an athletic legacy maybe, or leadership legacy. Um, on the other side, someone could have maybe, uh, be, they could be infamous, like they could have a legacy of destruction or carnage, right? Like we can think about like evil kings or leaders, and then they're like descendants being even more evil than them. Like this, this, this evil kind of legacy that's left behind of, of destruction. Scripture declares that you will leave an inheritance. That's something that you, Scripture declares that we will leave an inheritance. So let me be perfectly clear. The, the inheritance, the thing that we're, that's most needed is, is not actually like worldly wealth. It's not, not like some setup for success, but a relationship with God. That's what's most needed. Scripture says that we'll reap what we've sown. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. For he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. One of the fundamental principles of sowing is that we'll reap more than we've sown. We will reap more than we've sown, right? Like if you think about plants, you put in some seeds, but you get a lot more vegetables or fruit or whatever it is, you get a lot more. Hosea 10, 12 says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. With this in mind, we must make the choice and resolve that our lives and our legacy will be a blessing. That it will be. We want to we leave a blessing behind they'll reflect the overwhelming love and grace of our Heavenly Father. So I'm talking about, we're talking about leaving a, relation, a legacy of relationship with God behind. The importance of legacy is revealed in the fact that it's actually mentioned in the Bible over 200 times. 200 times. It's all throughout Scripture. The, the writers of each of the scrolls, the, especially in the Old Testament, they saw that God really valued legacy and lineage. And so they, they were painstakingly, they took every detail to, to describe the descendants and the people who were before and after to make this connection, the story of God, because it was important to the heart of God. And so each of these writers understood that, was impressed upon them by the Holy Spirit to record these things. Over 200 times in the Bible it's mentioned. Legacy is what we leave behind, but it's much more than words on a page it's how we have conducted our lives and what we've given to those in our lineage. Listen, even if you don't have kids in this, you know, if, if you're listening online, if, you don't have, if you're in here and you don't have kids or you never will, there's still a kingdom legacy for you to leave behind. There's still a kingdom legacy for you to leave behind because we're part of a much bigger family. And so there are your peers, there are people just a little bit younger than you, there are people that are way younger than you that you can give the kingdom legacy, the things that you've grown with the Lord, the things that you've cultivated in relationship with God, you can give those things away. Invite people into a deeper relationship. One of the deepest desires of my heart is to conduct my life in a manner that in which years to come, when my name is spoken, my, my family and friends will like Head, hang their heads in shame or in pain of something that I've done, but, but will be honored and blessed by the testimony of Jesus throughout my life. That they be blessed by, the, by that thing, by the testimony of Jesus. And they'll be filled with faith because of the goodness of God and how it affected me. That's what I desire. I'm not up here, like, listen, I'm not up here, like, looking back at the end of my life and, and telling you how well I did. Many of you have cultivated an amazing history with God over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. A lot of you guys in this room have, have cultivated that. And, and you're leaving a kingdom legacy to your children and your grandchildren and those you've influenced and us. You're leaving that. You're inviting us in to, to see that, that relationship that you've had with God and you're giving part of that away to us. And that's amazing. I have a long way to go. Um, I'm just seeing, like, the, really the importance of, of this kingdom legacy, and I wish that I had the wisdom and understanding to begin to value this even more, even 10 years ago. I wish that I had, had thought about this more. Um, 
You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I see my limitations and my flaws. My wife sees them clearer, you know, even clearer than I do, you know, and she lets me know, you know, and that's good. I, I need to know that because I do. Half my day, you know, I tend to focus on the areas that I feel like, where I feel like I'm lacking half my day. I don't know if you guys ever do that. I do that a lot. The other half of my day, I try spend trying to remember that I actually have everything I need for life and godliness. That's true. Second Peter 1.3 says that no matter how I feel on a given day, I've been given everything I need. I've already been given it. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited into us by his divine power. For this was all lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. So say this with me. Everything I could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited into me by God. So what are we doing with that? It says it's, it's already been deposited into us. So what are we doing with it? What are we doing with God, what God's already given us? Are we entering into this invitation? Are we entering into it? Some days I do, some days I don't, honestly. But I want to. I want to enter into it more. God is so excited about this. He's lavished upon you and I the fullness of his life and his godliness. And when you accept that invitation to, to experience that relationship with him, he's so excited about it. He's so excited about it. It sounds too good to be true, but Genesis 18.14 says, is there anything too difficult or too wonderful for the Lord? You know who actually said this? It was pre-incarnate Jesus coming as, as the angel of the Lord or something to Abraham and Sarah when she was way too old to have children. This is Jesus saying this to Abraham. Is there anything too, like, anything too difficult or wonderful for the Lord? Jesus is or, you know, whatever it is, the angel of the Lord is saying this to Abraham about this impossible thing that Sarah's too old to have kids. And he's saying, no, you're going to have a legacy and a lineage. This is my, this is, I have so many good things for you. He's so excited about that he couldn't hold back. He needed to be there to tell Abraham that. No matter where you are in life, no matter the season, the beautiful thing is that it's never too late um, to see the promises of God come true. It's never too late uh, for God to restore his blessings to your family name. It's never too late. God promises to give you the power of a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18 says, this means that our knowledge of men can no longer be based on their outward lives. For if a man or woman is in Christ, they become a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone, and everything has become fresh and new. All this is God's doing, for he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Every day we can start new. Every day we can decide, hey, I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm going to press on to the, to the, the hope that God has for me. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to start new. It doesn't mean we don't need to clean up. Like, there'll be things we need to clean up. But we can start fresh every day. We don't need to let that thing stop us from going into a deeper relationship with God and moving into what God has for us. When we respond to the grace and forgiveness of God, he removes and cleanses sin from our lives. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter how dark your past has been, when you respond to Jesus, your future is gonna be flooded with light and hope and his love and lasting uh, peace. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's what Isaiah says. The Lord said through Isaiah. Don't let the failures of the, or the pains of the past keep you from victory in the future. 
Don't let it hold you back. Something that, that in my life, like I, when I see my failures, I, the enemy really tries to keep those things in front of me. To keep, and like the, the reality is the Holy Spirit's saying, no, that's like, I'm, sh- I'm showing you this not to condemn you, but to say, this is where I want to meet you. This is where I want to upgrade you. Don't let this thing hold you down. Own it, <laughs> right? Own it. And then let me teach you how to not do that anymore. Let me teach you a better way. To understand the significance of legacy, let's look at our value and worth, not just to humankind, but to God. Again, like I said, there's over 7.6 billion people in the world, right? Um, Remarkably, not a single one is like you. That's kind of... uh, Bizarre to think about, especially if you go to like a big city, like you're just in New York, you're walking down the street, there's thousands of people and you might look exactly like one of them, right? But, but the reality is there's not, there's no one just like you. You're, you know, we used to say the statement, you're one in a million, but actually you're, you're one in over seven billion. You're divinely unique, you're one of a kind, you're created by God for God. Created by God for God to be in relationship with God. You have value and you have worth beyond your wildest imaginations. All the redemptive things that God has done, he would have done, um, even if you were the only person that needed it. He would have done that. That's how much he loves you. The truth is, God's great plan started started for you before you were even born. Always remember that you were chosen by God for God. Therefore, you have divine purpose. You were chosen by God in eternity past to live now, right now. Not any other time and age in history. You were chosen by God to live right now. There's something about that that's exceptional and distinct. And you, you, he has something for you, something in this kingdom legacy to give away, something of himself to show, something that you and he only have in your relationship that you can give away to other people that they may not know about. And it's for now. It's for this day and age, and it's for those to come beyond us. Think about the fact that God wanted you to be you, just like you are. Like he enjoys you, who you are. You don't need to like change your personality for him to enjoy you. He enjoys you. He made you that way. He likes you. He likes you to be yielded to him, but he really enjoys you. No one can display the kingdom in the image of God like you can. So turn to the person next to you and say, wow, I'm really something. There's no one else like me. <laughs> it's true. God in his wisdom made you. In his wisdom, he made you. If you realize that, it'll it'll change the way you think about yourself. That God in his wisdom made you. If you let that sink in, if if you let that actually land, that God in his wisdom loved to make you and loved to design you and wants you to be who you are. As you yield to his presence and the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll be able to do something for the kingdom of God that no one else on earth can accomplish. God delights placing his unique grace and presence upon ordinary people, enabling them to to accomplish outstanding things for his glory. In fact, God uses ordinary folks to accomplish the extraordinary. And it's for his glory. It's for his glory. He did it for himself. He chose you to bring glory to him. That's crazy. He didn't need to do that. He wanted to do that. That's awesome. So stop thinking that you're not important, that your life is insignificant, and that doesn't matter. It does matter. This type of misguided thinking will rob you and your descendants, and it can, it can really devastate their spiritual destiny. It can, it, it, you limit and you don't let those things land, the truth of what God says about you, the truth of what he thinks about you. If you don't let that land and you don't live that out, that's going to steal from those to come. 
those you're supposed to, to share that with. Don't steal from it. Shake yourself, lift your head, gain the courage to face every day knowing that you've been given that purpose and, and you have the power that God has for you with him and in relationship with him. You have friends in high places. You're seated in heavenly places next to Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus next to the Father. Second, you're not, not only are you only valuable to God, you matter to others. You matter to others. If you're in this room, you matter to, to the people in this room. I don't know your family past, but if you're in this room, you matter to the person next to you. Even if you've not been aware of it, your life has bearing and influence on those around you. You're not here by accident, but for divine purpose. God chose you for his lofty purposes. He's counted the numbers of hairs on your head. And you can be confident that his plans for you are wonderful. His thoughts towards you are simply amazing. In fact, the scripture says that his thoughts towards you are more numerous than all the grains of the sands in the entire world. You ever been to the beach? Like picked up some sand? All the sand in the entire world can't, like all those little little pebbles, right? His thoughts towards you are way more infinite and vast than all those little pebbles. That's crazy. Next time you're at the beach, just pick up a hand full of sand and think, this is nothing compared to the thoughts that he has for me. It's nothing compared to that. Even when we don't see it in the moment, even when we don't feel it because of pain, because of situations, God is working in our lives to produce grace so that our good will come to pass. When we grab onto his grace and we live victorious lives, we will become a blessing to ourselves and our children. The love of God has no limits. His grace and tender mercies, are they reach deeper than our pain and sin. They reach deeper than the ways that we mess up. He's the one initiating this love affair and because we love him because he first loved us. That's what it says. He, he, we love him because he first loved us. We are a people of his divine purpose. Our generation has been given an open door to, to advance the kingdom of God like no other generation before us. Do you know that? This time and age, the ability to, to take the kingdom all across the earth, is, there's never been an opportunity like what we have right now. And the internet is just like the next thing, like, like the next step. Your relationship with God, you can make 110-minute videos or uh, 1,000-hour-long videos about your relationship with God. You can put it out there and somebody can benefit from it. Do you know that? That couldn't happen before. That's going to happen right now. You can share your relationship. You can share the revelation. You can share the journey that you've had with God like you never could before. And it can reach somebody that never could before. That's incredible. That's amazing. You've been given that, that, that the opportunity to advance the kingdom like never before. So it's crucial for us to gain a deeper understanding of that purpose that we have. You must know who God is in order for us to know who he's destined us to become. So what does this look like in our lives? Well, one source of confusion, I think, for a lot of believers is the fact that they, they try to like walk in their own light or the, the, their own energy or passion rather than like God's revealed word. They try to make decisions, we, we do this, try to make decisions based on our own desires, right? On our own earthly temporary matters instead of seeking first the purposes of the kingdom. It's easy to do that because that's just the way that the world around us is wired. And... Um, if we make all of our decisions off of our feelings or out of the decisions uh, that the world offers, uh, we're not going to go very far. Like, we might be able to build something, but will it last? I don't know. Probably not. Will it be worth it? Probably not. Um, but when we do this out of the commitment to seek the kingdom first, to, the, to seek out God's plan first, everything else will be added to us. That's what the scriptures promise. In Matthew 6, when we put obedience to his purposes, we'll have nothing to be anxious about. We won't uh, have to know where, you know, we'll have to worry about where our source is coming from, where our, who our protector is. We'll know that. We put the kingdom first. 
Obedience is the key to everything here. Uh, we must obey the right things, the will and the word of God. There's no greater freedom, no greater peace than, than that results than like having Jesus be the Lord of all things. Like he's a really good king. He's a really good king. So we let, if we let him be king, it's going to go really well for us. If we don't let him be king, if we try to be king of our own futures and destinies, it's not going to go that well for us. But, you know, like a lot of us have made that commitment, I think, in this room, especially in the big things, like to, to, to give those things to the Lord and the big issues, right? Like if the Lord tells me to do this thing, I'm going to do it, like the big thing, right? Like, like if he tells me to move somewhere, I'm going to get confirmed by three people first. But like, you know, if, if he tells me, I'm probably going to do it because he told me to, the big things. But it's like the little, little day-to-day, right? Like the little foxes that steal. We want, to be, we want to be obedient in the little things, in the day-to-day things, because those things damage. They destroy the fruit. They steal. They, they hop the fence, and they eat the garden, right? We want, to, we, want to get, we want to be obedient in those little things. Don't let those little things f- steal from us. We want to have fruit that remains. Another thing that I think holds people back is feeling like they need to know all the plans that God has before them, right? Before they walk down it. Or like all the things that God wants me to do before I can begin to build this legacy or give this legacy away. Um, you know, I want to, it's a, really a lack in the confidence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he wants to do without us knowing every single detail. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that. I'm like that. I like, I want to know everything that's going to happen. I have this, this kind of lack of confidence and trusting the Holy Spirit sometimes though I'm, I'm giving that over to the Lord. You know, this, this, can, this can actually hold us back from launching out and doing anything for the kingdom of God. There's this guy, Vance Havner, he's an old-time preacher, and he said, um, I did not understand everything about the plan of salvation. Neither do I understand all about electricity, but I don't need to sit in the dark until I do, right? Like, I'm going to turn the light on, I'm going to do what I need to do. We can't just sit around until we have figured out all the answers. But we must get busy doing the stuff of the kingdom and staying in relationship with Jesus while we do it. This looks different in each of our lives, but we gotta get comfortable with doing the things that scriptures tell us to do. John 14, 12 says, very, this is Jesus, says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Many of us want to fulfill some specific calling in our lives, but we neglect the general calling of our lives to do what Jesus did. If you want to know what God has for you to do in your life, you want to know the calling of your life, open up scriptures, see what Jesus did, and then just start doing those things. And then any specific calling that he has for you, it's going to come out. You're going to walk in it. But just begin to do the very general thing that Jesus called all of his followers to do. Just begin to do that. Get busy doing that. Besides, like, what's the next 10 years or 20 years going to look like? Let me go heal the sick now with Jesus. Let me go preach the good news now with Jesus. Don't wait. Jesus sent us to preach good news to those who need it. Heal the sick, set free the oppressed. That's what we need to do every day of our lives. That's what we're called to do. That's the general calling of every believer. I want to leave a legacy of, of love and relationship with Jesus and love and relationship with the people around me and, and doing the things that Jesus did. I want to have a deep friendship with the Spirit of God. That's a legacy I want to leave behind. Adventures with God, you know? For me, this is about learning. First, it needs to be for me about learning the power of the words I speak in my day-to-day. If I want to pray and prophesy and preach good news to the world around me, but I don't have love on my tongue for my wife and my son, I'm not going to go very far, am I? Right? I'm not going to go very far if I don't have love on my tongue, if I'm not, not speaking truth, if I'm not loving them well. It's not gonna, it doesn't matter. Our words, the things that we speak, they have powerful effects on those around us and they can, can and will determine the legacy we live. The writer of Proverbs highlights this truth. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Proverbs 12, 18 through 19 says, there's one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. But the tongue of wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is credited only for a moment. Our words of affirmation and love can help our children and build strong character into them. In moments of anger and frustration, if we're not careful, we can sow seeds of hurt and rejection and inflict deep wounds of anger and frustration. It's tragic when a person finds it easy to say, I'm sorry, over and over again, but never stops to not say those things anymore, right? Like, never stops to bridle their tongue. Um, and it's much wiser to turn off the faucet than just keep mopping up the water, <laughs> right? Let's, let's learn to stop saying things that don't need to be said uh, rather than just say, I'm sorry, every time. My prayer, honestly, has been this. Lord, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff. Fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff. Nudge me when I've said enough. Help me grow wiser. Help me talk less and say more. Let me show love for those around me by the things I say or don't say. Like I said, I have a long way to go on this. You can ask Lynn. But I'm determining in my heart to be transformed. I'm determining in my heart to be transformed. Hold me to it. So, yeah, understand that our words carry transformational power. Super, supernatural powers are released for your children and those around you, those you influence, when you declare and pronounce blessing upon them. So use your words to speak blessing over your descendants as well as others. One of the messages that I was writing this week that I ended up not going to, maybe I will later, was about how we're a royal priesthood. Each of us have been called to be priests, royal priests. Part of the priestly job is to bless people. And so we're called to bless our families. We're called to bless those around us. Use your words to speak blessing over those around you. Calling out their true identity, what Jesus thinks of them, what the Father declares over them. When we do that, it has outstanding power to change and adjust their outlook on life. When we declare true identity. Declare great things for the future over your children and grandchildren. Speak words of encouragement and victory. Words that release confidence and faith and hope and truth. Declare God's goodness. Declare his favor. Declare his face is smiling upon them. Do that to the person next to you. God's face is smiling upon you. Declare that. Declare God's goodness. Take time to gather your family, if you have a family. Take time to gather your family and just like turn TV off for a little bit. Turn off screens, phones, put them in the other room, whatever. And, and take time to bless one another. Just take time to bless one another. Husbands, bless your wives. Wives, bless your husbands. Parents, bless your children. Children, bless your, your own parents. If you haven't seen your parents in a while, call them up and bless them. <laughs> Learn to speak blessing over your own life and into your future. Friends, bless one another. A blessing is not a blessing until it's actually spoken. I might think nice things about somebody, but unless I speak it out, they're never going to know it, right? Use your words to bless, declare God's favor. When you do this, it'll draw people into deeper relationship with God. It's easy for us to hear a blessing or nice words or a compliment and pass over it if we think negatively about ourselves, right? Somebody might be able to say something nice or of a blessing over us, but if we don't think that about ourselves, if we don't think that we're worth that, we'll be like, oh, that's nice, that's nice, thank you. Like, you know, but it doesn't land, it doesn't hit. But God wants to change that thing. Some of us have had really uh, all sorts of negative things spoken over us. Um, I want to break that this morning. In the name of Jesus, we want to break those word curses. We want to break... Um, 
maybe you know habitual things that have been said throughout your people before you. Maybe there's just a culture in your family of just degrading one another or putting one another down. We want to break that this morning. It doesn't have to define you the rest of your life and you don't need to bring that into your family anymore. So everybody, real quick, stand up. We're going we're gonna to take some time to bless one another and we receive blessings. So just kind of humble yourselves this morning. Let, give yourselves an accessible spirit and open your heart to receive these things. It's, it's going to be really awkward at first, right? But don't be shy. There's something really powerful and transformational that occurs when we speak aloud the promises of God over ourselves and over each other. So what this is going to happen is there's going to be a whole bunch of blessings up here. We're going to go through them out loud and say them over ourselves. Now here's the thing where it's going to get tricky. Raise your hand if you're here with your spouse. Okay, if you're here with your spouse, I want you to turn towards them and I want you to change the language of the blessing. So here, Lynn, come up here. So if you're by yourself or you're not with your spouse this morning or if you don't have a spouse, we'll pray for that later. But what you're going to do is you're going to say, I'll just say the first one. You're going to declare over yourself, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that I'm loved by God. But when you're with your spouse, I want you to change the wording a little bit and say, I declare in the name of Jesus that you are loved by God. Does that make sense? Everybody clear? Cool. So say you to your spouse. Change those, ver those language a little bit. But if you're not with them, just say the, the blessing as it occurs there. So let's do it. I declare in the name of Jesus that you are loved by God. I declare that, I, that you, you are blessed with God's wisdom and revelation, and you will know the hope of your calling. Yeah. Well, it should be up here. Yeah, sorry. I declare that you have God's clear direction in your life. I declare that you are blessed with creativity, with courage and ability, with abundance. I declare that you are blessed with strong, powerful emotions, with self-control and self-discipline. I declare that our family is blessed with good, faithful friends, with good health, with favor, faith, favor, and fulfillment in life. <laughs> I declare that you are blessed with supernatural strength, with insight, and with divine favor and protection. I declare that you are blessed with an obedient, cheerful heart and with a positive outlook on life. I declare that any curse or negative evil words that have been spoken over you and our family are broken in the name of Jesus. I declare that our family is blessed in the city. We are blessed in the country. We are blessed when we go in. We are blessed when we go out. I declare that everything you put your hands to will prosper and succeed. I declare that our family 
is highly favored by God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. So that was a little awkward, but we got it. We did it. That's awesome. We just performed our priestly duties to one another. And these aren't just a list of really nice things. These are actually all promises and blessings in the Word of God. All these things are true. They're all in Scripture. They're all available. They're all truth to be able to speak over as priests to one another. Whether we feel them or not. <laughs> They're truth. A family is called to manifest the image of God together. As, God, as a godly family, we're meant to bridge righteousness for the following generations. Psalm 145 Verse four says, one generation shall praise your works to another and declare your mighty acts. Psalm 78 says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Let your ears be bent down to the words of my mouth. Opening my mouth, I'll give out a story. Even in the dark sayings of old times, which have come to our hearing and our knowledge as they were given to us by our fathers, we will not keep them secret from our children. We will make them clear to the coming generations the praises of the Lord and his strength and the great works of wonder which he has done. I was talking to Pam uh, at our wine night just about the prophetic stories that we carry and the value of these things. And I want to hear the prophetic stories, the, the legacy, the lineage of the people in Oxford. I want to hear those things because I get to participate. I get to be partakers of those things. I want to hear those things. We need to document. We need to write them down. We need to share those things with each other. It's valuable. We need those things. We share those things, we get to know what's available, what God has for us. And it fills us with faith, the testimony of Jesus. Those things that, those blessings that we just declared, I encourage you to declare them over your kids, over your family, over your future kids. If you don't have any now, pray these things over them. Parents, one of your roles, again, is to function as prophetic, as prophetic priests to your families. As parents, we have the power to speak life or death into the lives of our children. If we call our kids names like stupid, idiot, or dumbbell, it placed a curse, actually, on their ability and their motivation to learn. So stop saying those things, <laughs> even out of frustration. Solution simple, just repent. And, and erase those, the power of those words. As Christians, we must realize that curses are, re are real. They can be broken. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We, um, as believers, have power to hold back the blessings of God on other people. That's part of our, again, part of our priestly role. And if we curse those who, who are doing us harm, that's not the heart of God. What did he do? He forgave said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right? On the cross, being killed. He said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what our response should be. As children of God, we're entitled to a supernatural blessing. This, the blessing is the act of releasing supernatural power of God onto another person's life by the spoken word of spiritual authority. As a, a leader of your family, as a parent, if you're in or your grandparent, you owe it to your children to get them together and lay hands upon them and pass along the, the spoken blessing. This will help them enter deeper into their destiny and pass on the kingdom legacy to your lineage. So just real quick, just to go really fast in this last part here to end I just want to share just some, some really important things to how to establish the presence of God in our lives and our homes. So the, so the biggest one is just invest, right? So we're thinking about legacy now, investing for the future, right? Investing. Invest with a, in a relationship with God for yourself. Invest for yourself. Relationship with God. First, for yourself. Become a faithful friend of God. Become a seeker of God's heart. Become an intimate lover of God for yourself before anyone else. Invest in your physical, spiritual, and mental health. Invest in it. 
Invest in your health. Cultivate the gifts of the Spirit in your life, in your daily lives. You know, I've been thinking about private prayer language, speaking in tongues. I haven't cultivated that, but I used to love that. I want to cultivate that again in my life, in my daily life. Cultivate the, the gifts of the Spirit in your life daily. Invest in your relationships. Spend real time together. Learn each other's personality types. Learn the love languages of your family members. You know, this is the way that your family members show and receive love. You, you can't determine how they show and receive love. Learn how they show and receive love. Be, have real open and honest relationships. Be open and vulnerable with your family, with your kids. Share stories, share, share failures. Share flaws that you have. Share those things. Share hopes and dreams and passions. Share thoughts and beliefs. Share insights and revelations. Share questions. Share doubts. Share disappointments. Share failures. Invest in, in reforming your beliefs and your worldviews. Take time to think about what you actually think and what you're actually speaking out. Invest in your ability to share the simplicity of the gospel and the complexity of scripture. If we don't have a historical and covenant context for, for scripture and we're just projecting that onto somebody or especially our kids, if we don't have the historical and covenantal context, it's, it's not gonna go well. It's gonna be really confusing for your kids if you don't have that right, if you're not speaking that right. So there's complexity, right, to the scripture, but it's worth it to invest to know what that is. Understand what you're speaking. Invest in encountering God together. Invest in doing that together. That, can, that counters this, uh, this day and age, this contemporary fragmentation of families that we're seeing. If we actually spend time encountering God together, if we give that to our children as, as a history in their lives. I remember when I sat with mom and dad and our siblings and we have, we just met God together and the presence of God was in the room. No matter what, I remember that was real. Like, that'll be something in their lives. Invest in that. Worship together, praying together, serving together, doing ministry together. Instruct and influence those around you. It's important to demonstrate to our families in the ways of God, his love, his kingdom. We do this by living our lives honestly and real before our family, not projecting or putting a pedestal form of godliness um, that's out of reach. You know, you just be real. Acknowledging and inviting others into the true journey. It's a journey, right? The relationship with God, there's ups and downs, there's highs and lows in that journey and, and every day. It's, it's not something that's way up there that's unattainable. It's a journey that we just walk out. I encourage you to instruct and take time to, tr to train your spiritual and physical senses to recognize when the kingdom's at hand, when God's in the room, when the Holy Spirit's doing something, and then teach those skills, those things that you've developed to your kids, to those around you. Teach it to other people. Instruct other people in those things. Give away what you've received, basically. First Timothy 4 says, train yourself to be godly. Stay engaged in the training of truth. Be diligent. Devour the word of God. Be faithful in prayer. Give away what you've learned to others. Don't minimize the powerful gifts imparted to you. Abide in God. Make all these things your constant meditation and make it real within your life. Live the kingdom right now, every day. If you want to inspire, if you want to leave a legacy, don't tell, about, tell people and your kids about what it's going to be like someday. Show them what it's like today. Show them what it's like now, what they can experience right now, today. Another big thing is just to sacrifice some of our own personal desires and expectations. When we lay those things down for the Lord and for our families, he's going to give us so much more. So just lay down some of our personal desires and expectations in order to invest in the things that God has for your family. 
It's going to go way bigger in the long run. Pour your life in other people. Have, I've looked at people in the in, in lives on the both sides of this and find that the people that give, leave legacy, kingdom legacy, all have one thing in common. Their lives were spent pouring into other people. Those who truly leave a kingdom legacy, their lives were spent pouring into other people. Teach your kids to do the stuff. Go be bold and do kingdom ministry with them. Teach them obedience. Teach them intercession. Teach them prayer. Teach them to be the answer to prayer. Don't just pray for something to happen one day and then say, oh my God's got it. Don't like become the answer to the intercession. That's what Jesus did. He became, he forever makes intercession. He is the prayer. He's praying and he's answering the prayer at the same time. And we can join him in that. So while legacies can take all shapes and sizes, the legacy that I'm most interested in and leaving is the one that invites others to have real encounters with God. That produce real relationship with Jesus. And I want my life to be an invitation for others to come to the realization that Jesus is altogether good and lovely and powerful and wonderful and that his kingdom is worth entering in and living in. True kingdom legacies only live on through exponential results of other people joining in the kingdom too. That's why we need your stories. That's why we need to be this big family together giving away what we've received. It's gonna be awesome. This is the best invitation ever that God has for us. So let me just pray. We can stand, worship team, come on up. Father, I thank you for, for what you have for us, God. I thank you for these blessings, Lord, and I, God, let's walk uh, step in step with you. We don't want to miss. We don't want to forfeit anything that you have for us, God. But we don't, also, we don't want to be so caught up in figuring it all out. We just want to join you. We just want to follow after you. So teach us how to be your children again, God. To have faith like a child, God. I just release grace and favor upon every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.